Bickley and Murata. Social Studies. Brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com. We look forward to it every day. Nine o'clock, Social Studies, where we dive into our Twitter account at Bickley underscore Murata and unearth gold from presented questions and responses from our faithful listeners. And here to take oh. us through it, as always, Sarah Cazell. Hey, speaking of gold, am I right? Hey. <laughs> She's humble. Just kidding. At Bickley <laughs> underscore Murata is where you can follow us. Uh, follow along where we post our questions for social studies every single day, even in the absence of Jarrett Carlin. We persist with the questions for social studies. Let's start off with ASU and NAU. That is uh, the opening matchup for ASU at Sun Devil Stadium tonight for the 2022 football season. Let's start off with this open-ended question, guys. What would be a successful season for ASU football this year? Doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a record, either. Um, for me, mm-hmm. I think it's bowl eligibility would be successful. We've, I mean, we've even talked about it this morning, the lack of expectation on this program. Usually bodes well for ASU football. Yeah. And there's not a ton of expectation with all the uh, turmoil that they've been under. So they can find a way to scratch out six wins and get to a bowl game. Yeah, I think that's I, that, that's exactly what it is. That would be that would be a, a major step. And and, and it, would be, it would give, if I'm correct, that Herm Edwards might uh, take it to the house after after this year that would help him sort of restore his legacy a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Get yeah. you, get 500 or better in a bowl game. Yeah. Okay. Ref Robbie says six wins, beating the school down south, firing Herm Edwards and Ray Anderson. Uh, ASU could very well be 0-3 on those. Eight or more wins, says Big Ryan. Wow. It's the only way that Herm keeps his job, I think. But, Dan, if your prediction is correct, it doesn't really matter because he'll retire. Um, Somebody says, I'm going to pretend the season doesn't exist. Mr. B says, (laughs) beat U of A. Everything else is dressing up a pig. Uh, And then Nuclear Tripton says, just don't embarrass yourself on the field or off. Low expectations in the responses. Those are real low expectations. Yeah, I think... Oh, I did see someone say nine and three or better. Dude in the desert says nine wins or more for a successful season. I guess that's one win better than last year. So if you're trying to be a step in the right direction. I mean, let's face it. The, the Sun Devils have the opportunity to be the undisputed champions of Arizona this year <laughs> with games right. against NAU and U of A. They there do. we go. There we go. Well, and in NAU has the opportunity, <laughs> as slim as it is, to score back-to-back wins over Arizona. Yeah. And they would then be the champions of Arizona. Yes, they would yeah. be. There's a lot of the line tonight. Sure is. All right, let's uh, stick with ASU. We talked about this earlier in the show. There's a a video clip from the Dan Patrick show that is circulating where he is telling his, his crew that according to his source, Nebraska and NA, or excuse me, ASU, not NAU, Nebraska and ASU could be in play to land Urban Meyer as their next head coach. He doesn't say anything is, you know, imminent. It's it's all very nebulous, but he does say a source told him this could happen. Who would you rather have as the ASU football head coach? Herm Edwards or Urban Meyer? Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. Without a doubt. Yeah. Herm yeah. Edwards. <laughs> yeah, the it's, it's, it's only speculation, and yet it is Dan Patrick, and he generally doesn't voice rumors unless he's got it really, unless it's a really good source. It's... Uh, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of ASU fans that I saw yesterday after this all, whole thing kind of broke 
Uh, it created some some buzz because of what he might represent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's really close right now. Who would you rather have as head coach? Really? 51% voted for Herm Edwards. 49% voted for Urban Meyer. Jump and Shout says, I want to throw up. I would rather the program disband than another year of Herm or Urban. Uh, Seabacher44, similar. He says, it's hard enough to watch any college football because it's all so slimy. But if Urban became the coach of the school I like, that would be the end of me watching, period. Matt says, Urban Meyer in a heartbeat. He continues, the moment Urban wins 10 games at ASU and has a top 10 recruiting class, everyone else responding to this poll would want Urban Meyer too. Do you think that would be true? Do you think people would come around? I don't know. Yes. You do? Yeah. Wow. Winning cures all, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what they say. And indeed they do. Uh, my mediocre to decent sports takes says literally <laughs> any option C. Any option C. Okay. Let's move on to our next question. Serena Williams, I see her on my TV screen right now. Uh, she is the talk of the sports world this morning after last night she upset the number two player in the world in the second round of the U.S. Open in three sets. Serena is 40 years old. She is playing in what we have been led to believe will be the final tournament of her multi-decade career and she's just turning back the clock looking more vintage Serena than you know what we've seen for the last year or so. So across all of sports guys open-ended question what is the most memorable performance by an aging athlete? Aging or older? Well, I mean, she's forty. I think Jesse pointed out on the on the question. Everybody's aging. Yes, Sarah I, made I this question. Oh, okay. yeah. well, Tom Brady winning a, a Super Bowl at Tampa. I think that's high on the top. That's of the high list. on the list. Um, Randy look, Johnson throwing a perfect game at age forty. That's great. That's high on the list. That's, Mini that's Minoso getting a base hit in a major league game at sixty. Wasn't he sixty? Did he get a hit or did he just get an at bat? This up. Yeah, look that up. Um, it, yeah, LeBron James doing what he did last year at his age. Yeah, this is this is very very common. Um, it, it, sports has changed dramatically in that regard. Minnie Minoso went zero for two as a fifty six year old. That's he got it. a hit as a fifty uh, as a fifty six year old. He got a hit as a fifty two year old. That's so wild. Yeah. Randy Johnson throwing a perfect game at forty was a very popular response. Uh, so was Nolan Ryan throwing his seventh no hitter at forty four. Years old, yeah, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Uh, Lacey says Chris Paul with his perfect game last season when he was 14 of 14, yeah, um, in the Pelican series. I remember that, remember those days, (laughs) yeah, that was cool. Uh, Kobe Bryant's final game 60 points at 37 years old, pretty good one, yeah. Jimmy Connors' final U.S. Open. He was, what, 39? Yep. I think, and yep. went all the way to the semis. And, and that was at an era when when athletes at that age were very rare, especially in tennis. Yeah. yeah they still are rare at, yeah. at that age yes. on the men's side. But that was extra old back then, yeah. right? Uh, Hurley Face says, most memorable performance by an aging athlete, Greg Oden playing in the NCAA championship at 46. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> That's excellent. It hurts my feelings, but we had to read it anyway. That's funny. Uh, and then Brian Berger says Vince Morata dominating the Sun City Pickleball Tournament. That's right. 
That's Look our out, MVP. Sun City. That's our MVP right there. I'm playing pickleball this weekend for the second straight week. That's right. Wow. I'm limping around on Tuesday morning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we posted one more question for social studies, something that you just can't quit in life, no matter how inconsequential it may be. But we have Chris Cartman coming up next, so maybe we can revisit that question later in the I'm show. Putting it down question right mark? now, because I, right. like, I like that question a lot. Fabulous. Thank you, Sarah. Thank Thanks you. to everybody Thanks, who uh, participates in social studies every morning at 9 o'clock. Like Sarah said, we will talk some Sun Devils football with Chris Cartman from SunDevilSource.com. That's next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, tonight, college football gets underway for the Arizona State Sun Devils. They host the NAU Lumberjacks at Sun Devil Stadium, which should be a very warm night out in Tempe. And we get a first look at the 2022 edition of the Sun Devils. Here to talk about it with us from sundevilsource.com. Publisher Chris Cartman joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Chris. How are you? James, why do you have to remind me of how hot I'm going to be tonight <laughs> at the outset? Because that's least, what he does, at Chris. Least you'll, you'll be in the press box, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, you know, when you get a little bit, you know, dressed up and you go to watch a 107-degree kickoff, oh, it's a little... Trust me, I, I yeah. won't be there tonight, but I've made that walk uh, in those uh, late August, early September games. The walk from the parking lot to the uh, to the stadium is not that much fun. Right. Yeah. Um, there, look, there's a lot of mystery. You know it. 43 new players. Um, that is a very high number, even in to, by today's standards. So, I, I guess, big overarching question: What do you expect to see from from Arizona State tonight? Yeah, and they have new coordinator on offense, Glenn yeah. Thomas, new quarterback, Emory Jones, uh, a record number of Division One transfers that they're going to be relying on. Uh, getting everybody on the same page is going to be difficult, especially when last year they didn't have that challenge and they had 13 penalties right out of the gate. So I kind of want to find out, are the discipline issues that they had last year more endemic and cultural, or were they more related to uh, things that didn't work with Zach Hill and Jaden Daniels in the offense? I think that's one of the most important things that fans should be looking for, because this team is going to absolutely need to be much more efficient to uh, anywhere approach that eight-win total from last season, especially on the offensive side of the ball with procedural penalties and other issues. This is not a stripped-down offense that is more like a Rob Likens style approach. It is more complicated, is more like a Zach Hill. Uh, there, there could be some challenges with the operational issues uh, on that side of the ball. And then I think that one of the biggest questions of this team is really the secondary. Um, a lot has changed since Chase, Chase Lucas, Jack Jones, and DeAndre Pierce and Evan Fields were out there, and they have some injuries. Marcus Davis, Jordan Clark won't play tonight with knee issues. They should be back soon, though. But how are others going to look in their stead? Uh, I think Roe Torrance and Ed Woods and Keon Markham, especially at cornerback, is something that fans should look at to get a, a good barometer of the season's potential. All right, what do you think of Emory Jones from what you've been able to see? What, how, how much skill? Uh, what what kind of ceiling might the offense have with him at the helm? So 
look, he has a lot of similarities to Jaden Daniels. Um, he's a, a great athlete, maybe even more athletic potentially than Daniels. Definitely bigger. Uh, he's going to run for a lot of yards. He's going to scramble. Uh, he's going to get out of the pocket. They're going to do some things with bootlegs and by design to try to get him on the move. They don't have a extremely potent wide receiver room and that it sort of enhances what they're going to need to get from Emory Jones but I do think they're going to get some big play shots including tonight uh, between Andre Johnson, Brian Thompson Elijah Badger they do have a vertical capability uh, particularly against defenses that are more susceptible to that but we are going to see just a ton of run game uh, try to make it a little bit easy on Emory Jones, uh, Daniel and Gata, Xavier Valade, two really strong performers in camp. The, the ultimate challenge for Jones is when they get into third and medium, third and long situations, and he can't just run for first downs every time. Is he going to be able to thread the needle in tighter windows? Uh, we've seen that he has a tendency to be inaccurate, especially throwing the ball high, and potentially uh, that could lead to some jeopardy throws. He led the SEC in interceptions last year. That is the big question for Emory Jones. Chris Cartman, SunDevilSource.com publisher, our guest here on uh, the Arizona Sports Line. You kind of touched on the, on the receiving core there, and anybody who watched ASU football last year uh, knows how much of a struggle it was in the passing game. I guess Ricky Pearsall stepped up as the, as the go-to guy de facto, but he's gone. He's at Florida now, and you, you mentioned all these new names. And what you were able to gather from the, the fall practices, Chris, who do you think is, is the guy who's most likely to step up to be a go-to guy for Emory Jones? This is a big problem. Uh, you, you mentioned Pearsall. His 48 catches last year were the fewest by an ASU leading receiver since 2001. Okay, so that's uh, some perspective in a full season, right? 2020 doesn't count. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this year that they have anyone who's going to have as many catches as Ricky Pearsall. Wow. So that, that sort of answers your question right there. This has a good chance to be a season where five to seven guys have somewhere between 30 and 40 catches, and that may even top it out. Now, Geo Sanders is a senior who's a former walk-on who hasn't even caught a ball for ASU but probably will be among the leading receivers on the team. He beat out Cam Johnson and Camp, who uh, arrived from Vanderbilt with more receptions and receiving yards than everybody else combined, and yet somehow Geo Sanders beat him. Badger really needs to take the next step behind him at that Z position. They don't have anybody that's capable on an every play basis. And then Brian Thompson and Andre Johnson will both catch, uh, I would say, at least 20 balls, maybe maybe 30 balls. Uh, and they'll throw the ball quite a bit to their tight ends, I would say. Um, Messiah Swinton, Missouri transfer. And then probably a bunch of check downs and, and uh, intended throws to Xavion Valade and Daniel and God out of the backfield. What Chris, what is the value, in your opinion, of low expectations to this football team and to Herm Edwards? So they uh, have tried to use that as fuel in their weight room, on the racks. They they put up 
tweets and, and uh, you know, headlines uh, for people that have dismissed them and their chances. There was a video that they put out on social media yesterday where the beginning of it was basically people talking down on the current state of the program. They, they've tried to use that as fuel. Uh, they seem to be uh, a pretty together group, a cohesive. I would say that, you know, of course, when you're undefeated, it makes it a lot easier, right? Um, I, I don't, they don't really seem too burdened, though, by a lot of the uh, detractors or negative sentiment. I, I don't think it's going to be much of an actual factor in terms of their thought process or their state of mind if they go into some of these games. Uh, but uh, having a chip on your shoulders, it, you know, that's a good thing for a lot of people. Maybe for some people, it could carry over into, uh, you know, a, a negative energy, you know, effect or, or whatever. But I don't think that for the most part that this is a bad thing for the team. Yeah, we've seen some national projections and we've had a little fun with Stuart Mandel's projection that the Sun Devils would win three games and only one in the Pac-12. I'm, I'm not sure they're that bad, but we also just had a discussion on what would define a successful season for ASU football with all the things that they're dealing with now. What What is your definition of a successful season this year for ASU? Yeah, Stuart Mandel throws a lot of darts at, at a board while wearing a blindfold. I mean, historically, <laughs> he's been he's been so wrong um, so often about uh, coaching hires, who was going to be good, who wasn't, and all kinds of things. But that's another story. Um, uh, I predicted ASU was going to have a six and six record this year. Um, that's that's probably on the higher end mm-hmm. of their range. I think that. Um, more than half the time, this team is going to win somewhere between four and seven games. But, um, you know, maybe even 70% of the time, they're going to win somewhere between four and seven games. But I, I, the, the challenge really is, are they going to be able to hold it together uh, if the front end of the schedule doesn't go especially well? Because I, I think that uh, it's going to be hard to come out of the first five games with a three and two record. Um, it's possible. If they do that, then they're setting themselves up for the possibility of being a plus 500 team uh, but and, and having a chance even maybe in the Pac-12, feeling good about it. But when you have Utah, USC out of the shoot after Oklahoma State, that's really difficult. Um, and uh, I think that is kind of what will be will prove to be sort of a reality awakening uh, for this team and relative to what some of the expectations are. And and uh, and that said, I still think that you know I probably have them with a little bit of a better record than most people think. All right, give us finally give us your thoughts and your perspective on what is going to happen with the Pac-12. There's a lot of talk about the Big 12 and this new TV contract of Oregon and Washington flirting with the Big Ten. How do you view this whole thing? Yeah, so really at the end of the day, still think that Oregon and uh, Washington and, and maybe Stanford have a lot of the remaining cards that are left. Um, this this issue that exists uh, that uh, some of the teams or schools may want an outsized portion of the media rights revenue uh, is something that I, I, I don't know how that could get resolved uh, if that ends up you know being pushed come to shove. Um, and, and, and of course, the lingering sort of possibilities of additional expansion in the two major conferences. I, I don't really see any way that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to end up really working together. Uh, I, I, you could see, of course, one try to pillage the other still. That, that's, that's always going to be a threat. But at this point in time, I don't see the remaining Pac schools 
uh, any of them really leaving for the Big 12 in any sort of near term. Uh, but I'm not ruling it out in terms of the, the, the ultimate possibility. And listen, um, where we're at now is very unpredictable o- overall. I mean, it, it, USC and UCLA's departures, it maybe surprised Michael Crow. It didn't really surprise me when, when you look at the, the most valuable properties in college football and how TV runs everything in college football. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're in this place where it's almost kind of like uh, half, half a dozen of one or six of the other uh, right now, um, I think you could see some speculative type aggressive moves, maybe Pac-12 expanding with teams that you wouldn't normally expect them to expand with. Uh, you could see potentially a fracturing of the Pac, remaining Pac schools due to disagreements about media rights distributions and whatnot. I, I just don't have a great feel for exactly what's going to happen. I just know it's not going to actually be all that good for the remaining teams in the league. Yeah, Chris, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We Stay appreciate cool it. Stay cool tonight, bro. <laughs> <laughs> do, do my best. Yeah. Thanks. Chris Cartman, publisher, sundevilsource.com. They do a great job of covering ASU athletics. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, it's Thursday. We've got a round of Mock My World straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll Question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Welcome back to Bigley and Murata Mornings, everyone, here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Before we get into Mock My World, we are heading to our website, our fabulous website, ArizonaSports.com, to look at our poll question. And we're talking to ASU-NAU, as we just were with Chris Cartman. Dan, Vince, how do you think ASU is going to do in its season opener against the Lumberjacks? ASU wins big, ASU wins narrowly, NAU wins narrowly, NAU wins big. A, I think ASU wins big. I do, too. Uh, The history says that between these two teams, even when ASU is not a very good team, they usually feast on NAU. I think the average margin of victory is 41 41 to 13. Yeah. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, they they win big. And coming down from that elevation and the cool pines to be played in this uh, sweltering. (laughs) No, thank you. Sweltering hellhole. Yeah, right. Uh, 45% of our voters say ASU wins big. 38% say ASU still wins, but narrowly. 10% a narrow win for NAU. 7% a big win for NAU. Wow. Some of those Lumberjack fans getting a little overconfident. Hey, welcome to our website. (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. That's today's Sanderson's Ford Poll Question. You can vote on it now at ArizonaSports.com. Bickley and Murata. Mock my world. Are you mocking me? Are you mocking me? Stop it, you just didn't do it again. Are you mocking me? Oh, Thursdays we roll out Mock My World. It is, uh, it's a draft show. It's a, a mock draft, basically, on a topic of our choosing. Four-round snake style where we participate and you determine the winners. This week, it's a little conceptual, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I like this a lot. Uh, Sarah brought it up in our pre-show meeting. Ten days until Arizona Cardinals football, correct? That is correct. So the theme of the reboot, or the reboot uh, of Mock My World is the number 10. Now, we're not talking about 
people who wore the uniform number 10, just anything related to the number 10. Exactly. So it's a very broad and a challenge Indeed. and an opportunity for us to be very creative. Random.org, <laughs> determine the draft order. Uh, young Jesse goes first. I will go second. Sarah, third. Dan Bickley will go fourth. Again, four-round snake-style draft. Jesse, you are on the clock. We've talked about it a lot today. So with my first pick, I'm going to go with tennis. <laughs> There's a 10 tennis. in there. Tennis. I guess yeah, it all counts. Well played. Might be the worst first pick ever. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell level first pick. Ooh. Cool. Uh, but good luck to you, Jesse. I'm Thank going, uh, and I love tennis. Uh, with my first pick, I'm going to the music realm. I'm going to Pearl Jam's first album, 10. Good album. I thought that would be a Dan Bickley pick. Oh, well, it would have been if it was alive. Not for, <laughs> we're, it, we're not in for the a fourth pick. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, I am going to go with a local wide receiver. Maybe you have heard of him. DeAndre Hopkins. Wow, yeah, I have heard of him. D-Hop is off the board. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've got two picks. I will take the Ten Commandments with my first pick. Oh, those things? I knew you were going to go for that, yes. Yeah, and then I'm going to take... With my second pick, perfection in gymnastics. Oh, oh perfect. Dan! <sighs> ten score. Very yeah. well done. Thank very, you. very well done. I would give that a ten. That draft ah, pick. Thanks. Yeah. All right. My next pick. Ooh, I am going to take the fabulous movie, the iconic movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure none of you even thought about that, and that's okay. That's no, good. I didn't think you were going there when you said movie. What did you think? Well, I guess I'll ask you after the draft. Good point. Uh, uh, you can, I'll answer it right now. I'll pick a movie uh, that was very popular in the 90s. Ten Things I Hate About You. That was on my list, too. So I get two here, right? That's the yeah, way it goes. All right. I'm going to go with two athletes here that wore the number 10. My first one, he's a former D-back, but... More notably, a member of the USA World Baseball Classic team and the Baltimore Orioles at, at points in his career. I'm going to go with Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Yes. Number 10. All and right. then uh, Let's pick. the greatest soccer player of all time, Pele. Poor Pele. You finally, Poor made, Pele. A, you finally made a good pick there, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Al, but good job, Jesse. <laughs> Adam Jones is an American hero. Do you remember that you're catch? A, you're an Orioles fan. Yeah, but the catch for the World Baseball the Classic The World Baseball team. Classic, that spring training tournament that means absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The World the Cup of Baseball. Yeah, it, it's just like that. Uh, I'll, go, I'll piggyback off Jesse and take a soccer player as well. I will take Lionel Messi. Yup. Well played. Well played. Okay. We're going to me. I am going to take... The old, but maybe the new again, or may not exist anymore. The Pac-10. Oh, I like that one. That's good. I still have uh, some old Pac-10 merch sitting around at my parents' house. Might have to dust it off. <laughs> I still, I think I still have some buried somewhere. All right, back to you, Bick. Your last two picks. All right, my last two picks, man. I got a lot to choose from here. Uh, I will take uh, the height of a basketball hoop, 10 feet off the ground. Gene Hackman measuring it. Yep. 
I think you'll find those same measurements <laughs> at our gym in Hickory. Right, exactly. And uh, the pin rack in bowling. Ten pins in bowling. Ten. Vic is in his bag, as the kids might I say. I know my bag. All right. My last pick, I am going to take probably the first quarterback you think of when you think of 10, Eli Manning. Yeah. That was on my list of possibilities. But the fourth pick, I'll go... Um, you have to tell me if this is allowed. I was going to go Nashville, Tennessee. Sure. I mean, if tennis works, then Tennessee works. Nashville, yeah. Tennessee yeah. works Nash- as well. Specifically <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> Wolf was just there. Yes, he was. Right. On Broadway. Chicken. <laughs> Barbecue. Right. Jesse, you got the last pick. All right. I'm going to go out with a resounding pick oh, here. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. uh, the 2012 Rookie of the Year in the NFL. He played at one point for the Washington Commanders. Oh. Robert Griffin III. Wow. Heisman Trophy winner. Wow. Okay. Okay. Will Jesse reach 10% voting? Will he reach 5% voting? <laughs> Will he we'll get 10 votes? <laughs> Will he get 10 votes? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Stay tuned. Mock My World should adopt a soccer-type relegation system. I, I can't believe you didn't, oh, you of all people didn't pick top ten lists. Oh, oh. love lists. Lists themselves. That didn't even dawn on me. First I, in ten. First in ten. A boxing knockout. The ref counts to ten. Face cards. The decathlon. Jack, Queen, King, the decathlon. The Bill of Rights? That's 10, 10 Downing Street, which is where the British Prime Minister lives. It's their version of the White House. Man, you got a lot of them. 10 4, good buddy. <laughs> the handsomest Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, there you he go. He was my fifth option. The Bo movie, Derek. The movie 10 with Bo Derek. There yes. you go. A movie that's that, good, that really, category. really didn't age well. Uh, <laughs> no. That movie. No. Uh, Jesse's got tennis, Adam Jones, Pele, and Robert Griffin III. I went with Pearl Jam 10, 10 Things I Hate About You, Lionel Messi, and Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Sarah went with D-Hop, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, The Pac-10 and Eli Manning, and Bick went 10 Commandments, Perfect 10 Score in Gymnastics, 10 Feet for the Basketball Rim, and 10 Pins in Bowling. We'll get this up on Twitter. And uh, you determine the winner of Mock My World every Thursday. Some final thoughts coming up on this Thursday straight ahead. Bickley Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Song of the Day. Dick gave me carte blanche on what I, I wanted did. to play from the album 10 today. Yeah. So I picked my favorite Pearl Jam song. This is your favorite one? Oh, yeah. It's very emotive. It is. It's very deep. Where's my lighter? It's very wistful. I don't have a lighter. I'll just turn on my cell phone light. <laughs> Wave yeah. it back and forth. You can download the lighter app. Can you? Yeah, it's like a... Lap for, it's like an app that you pull up a lighter on it and you can wave it back and forth at a concert. Here's an interesting fact on, on this album. Nine of the 11 songs have one word titles. Wow. The entire word count of the titles on this is like 13. Interesting. Once, Alive, Black, Jeremy, Oceans, Porch, Garden, Deep, Release. The only ones that aren't. Even Flow and Why Go. Oh. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is kind of strange. I 
And for those who don't know why it was named 10, not a clue him in, Vinny? It was, uh, it was Mookie Blaylock's uniform number, correct? Oh, is that it? I thought it was the, I thought it was the celebration of the five men in the band, two hands per man, 10, the fist. No. Oh, is that what they, is that came, what it is? I don't know. I know uh, they were, they used to be called Mookie Blaylock. I, I know. So. And he was did Mookie wear Mookie Blaylock, he wore number 10? He did wear number 10. Wow. Remember those okay. Oklahoma teams? Mookie Blaylock. <laughs> yeah, Keith Hernandez. <laughs> so according to Loudwire.com, a source I am not familiar with, mm-hmm. it says they decided to name their debut album 10 because that was Blaylock's jersey wow, number. Wow. Okay, Vinny nailed it. There you go. Uh, Black by Pearl Jam, today's song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. Admittedly a tough daily dose of Vinnie Joe trivia today, but college football is getting underway. So it's a college football question. Can you name the last two linebackers who have finished in the top three of the Heisman Trophy balloting? Did Aiden Hutchinson? He's a D. He was a defensive oh, you're lineman. Right. Yes. Uh, um, one of them is Manti Teo. Manti Teo is one. Well done. Finished second in 2012. Lavar Arrington. No, you got to go way, way back for it. Is oh, is the hint? I'll even give you the year. Nin- Jay Burwanger. Nin- <laughs> <laughs> He's the first winner of the Heisman Trophy, by the way. 1964 oh. was the year. So not Brian Bosworth. Not Brian Bosworth, but a household name in football. Especially in the Chicago area. Oh, I should know this. Yeah. I don't know, but I... I Butkus? Dick Butkus. Ooh. Wow. Finished third in 1964 out of Illinois. Behind was, John Hewitt and Jerry Rome. He was calling you a butt kisser, Vince. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle. <laughs> Jerry Rome. Love that guy. <laughs> wow. Well done. Uh, well done, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse knocking it out of the park. Uh, something he didn't do in Mock My World. <laughs> <laughs> There's one listener that liked it. Yeah. The Orioles fan. One hopper yeah. back to the pitcher. <laughs> All right, uh, on social studies, we didn't get to this. I love this question. What's something inconsequential in your life that no matter what, you just can't quit? And Sarah used me as the example, like early in the in the show, how I can't quit on ASU football. I have a yeah. couple of other ones, though. Yeah. Um, Oreo cookies. Oh. In fact, I was so distraught important. the last time I went grocery shopping. They didn't have mega stuff, so I had to slum and get a package of double stuff. It's what? Just not the same. Wow. <laughs> and my other one is the uh, the television show, The Goldbergs. Oh yeah, you complained about that show all the time. Just a, into a horrible, horrible formulaic. But you sitcom can't give up on it with characters just coming and going. They they wrote out the fa- they, the father's not on the show anymore, but they won't write him out of the show, so they just splice in old footage of him from other shows. It's truly what? horrible. But I will watch every. Episode. You guys got any beer? No. Well, yeah. 
I guess that's a, I don't define that as inconsequential. A, a lot of people went uh, the sports route. Mario yeah. said uh, Arizona sports, not the station, but Cardinal Suns, D-backs, ASU football and basketball. One championship between all of them, and it was 21 years ago. Yeah. About yeah. It. Ryan Gard can't give up Facebook. He says we've been through too much to give up now. I've given up Facebook several times, and I keep coming back. Uh, chips and salsa was huh. a good one. That is a from great CJ. one. Fantasy football says Jacob Barton every year. This is one. too much stress, and I quit. Wait, when's the draft again? A lot of people said coffee. No, I could never. Shockingly for me, Orioles baseball. <laughs> Inconsequential what on dork? <laughs> I watch like on, 90 games a year. Do. You do? You really? Yeah. Well, that I mean, last year you would have been made fun of for that. Yeah, I guess this yeah. year it's they're, actually... In- they're actually worth watching this year. Ralph yeah, Amston sometimes. won't stop watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. It's fascinating to me. Video games, pumpkin spice lattes. Jump and shout says listening to the sports kebab. And my favorite answer of all was from Mr. B, who said uh, in response to the question, nice try. You are my sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Well done on all those. I like that question. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks to uh, Derek Hall and Chris Cartman for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. We'll hit you tomorrow morning at 6 for the Friday edition. But don't go anywhere. Wolf and Luke up next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Have a great day, everybody.